The prophet Jacob foretold the destruction of an ancient people because they were blind to some ordinary things, which blindness, he said, came by looking beyond the mark. We often seek for things that we cannot seem to find when they are within easy reach, ordinary, obvious things. I wish to talk about an ordinary word. I've tried for months, really tried, to find some way to hold this word up in such a way that you would be very impressed with what it means. I have wished that uh, I could set before you a finely carved chest, placing it where the light is just right. I would carefully and reverently uncover the word marriage. Perhaps then you would see that it is priceless. I cannot show it to you in that way, so I will do the best I can using other ordinary words. It is my purpose to endorse and to favor, to encourage and to defend marriage. Many regard it nowadays as being at best semi-precious, and to some it is thought to be worth nothing at all. I have seen and heard, as you have seen and heard, the signals all about us carefully orchestrated to convince us that marriage is out of date and in the way. And there is a practice, now quite prevalent, for unmarried couples to live together, a counterfeit of marriage. They suppose that they shall have all that marriage can offer without the obligations connected with it. They are wrong. However much they hope to find in a relationship of that kind, they will lose more. Living together without marriage destroys something inside of all who participate. Virtue, self-esteem, refinement of character wither away. Claiming that it will not happen does not prevent the loss, and these virtues, once lost, are not easily reclaimed. To suppose that they may one day nonchalantly change their habits and then immediately claim all they might have had, had they not made a mockery of marriage, is to suppose something that will not be. One day, when they come to themselves, they will reap disappointment. One cannot degrade marriage without tarnishing other words as well. Such words as boy, girl, manhood, womanhood, husband, wife, father, mother, baby, children, family, home. Such words as unselfishness and sacrifice will then be tossed aside. And then self-respect will fade and love itself will not want to stay. If you have been tempted to enter into such a relationship, or if you now live with another without marriage, leave. Withdraw from it. Run away from it. Do not continue it. Or if you can, make a marriage out of it. Even a rickety marriage will serve good purpose so long as two people struggle to keep it from falling down around them. Now, a word of warning. One who destroys a marriage 
takes upon himself a very great responsibility indeed. Marriage is sacred. To willfully destroy a marriage, either your own or that of another, is to offend our God. Such a thing will not lightly be considered in the judgments of the Almighty and in the eternal scheme of things will not easily be forgiven. Do not threaten or break up a marriage. Do not translate some disenchantment with your own partner or an attraction for someone else to justify any conduct that would destroy a marriage. This monumental transgression frequently places heavy burdens upon little children. They do not understand the selfish yearning of unhappy adults who are willing to buy their own satisfaction at the expense of the innocent. God himself decreed that the physical expression of love, that union of male and female which has power to generate life, is authorized only in marriage. Marriage is the shelter where families are created. That society which puts low value on marriage sows the wind and in time will reap the whirlwind and thereafter, thereafter <clears throat> lest they repent, bring upon themselves a holocaust. Some think every marriage must expect to end in unhappiness and divorce with the hopes and dreams predestined to end in a broken, sad wreck of things. Some marriages do bend and some will break. But we must not, because of this, lose faith in marriage nor become afraid of it. Broken marriages are not typical. Remember that trouble attracts attention. We travel the highway with thousands of cars moving in either direction. We don't pay much attention to any of them. But should an accident occur, we notice that immediately. If it happens again, we get the false impression that no one can go down the road safely. One accident may make front page while a hundred million cars that pass safely are not regarded as worth a single line. Writers seem to think that a happy, stable marriage doesn't have the dramatic appeal or the conflict worth featuring in a book or a play or a film. Therefore, we constantly hear about the ruined ones and we lose our perspective. I believe in marriage. I believe it to be the ideal pattern for human living. I know it to be ordained of God. The restraints relating to it were designed to protect our happiness. I do not know of any better time in all of the history of the world for a young couple who are of age and who are prepared and who are in love to think of marriage. There is no better time because it is your time. I know that these are very troubled times, and troubles like we have now are very hard on marriages. But do not lose faith in marriage, not even if you've been through the unhappiness of a divorce and are surrounded by pieces of a marriage that has fallen apart. If you have honored your vows and your partner did not do so, remember God is watching over us one day after all of the tomorrows have passed, there will be recompense. 
Those who have been moral and faithful to their covenants will be happy, and those who have not will be otherwise. Some marriages have broken up in spite of all that one partner could do to hold it together. While there may be faults on both sides, I do not condemn the innocent one who suffers in spite of all that was desired and all that was done to save the marriage. And to you I say, do not lose faith in marriage itself. Do not let your disappointment leave you bitter or cynical or justify any conduct that is unworthy. If you've had no opportunity for marriage, or if you have lost your companion in death, keep your faith in marriage. Some years ago, an associate of mine lost his beloved wife. She died after a lingering illness, and he watched in helpless agony as the doctors withdrew all hope. One day near the end, she told him that when she was gone, she wanted him to marry again, and he was not to wait too long a time. He protested. The children were nearly grown, and he would go the rest of the way alone. She turned away and wept and said, Have I been such a failure that after all of our years together you would rather go unmarried? Have I been such a failure? In due time there came another, and their life together has reaffirmed his faith in marriage. And I have the feeling that his first beloved wife is deeply grateful to the second one who filled the place that she could not keep. Marriage is yet safe with all its sweet fulfillment, with all its joy and love. In marriage, all of the worthy yearnings of the human soul, all that is physical and emotional and spiritual, can be fulfilled. Marriage is not without trials of many kinds. These tests forge virtue and strength. The tempering that comes in marriage and family life produces men and women who one day will be exalted. God has ordained that life should have its beginning within the protective shelter of marriage, conceived in a consummate expression of love and nurtured and fostered with a deeper love, which is accompanied always by sacrifice. Marriage offers fulfillment all of the way through life, in youth, in young love, the wedding, on the honeymoon, with the coming of little children and the nurturing of them. Then come the golden years, when the young ones leave their nest to build one of their own. The cycle then repeats itself as God decreed it should. There is another dimension to marriage that we know of in the Church. It came by revelation. This glorious supernal truth teaches us that marriage is meant to be eternal. There are covenants we can make if we are willing and bonds we can seal if we are worthy that will keep marriage safe and intact beyond the veil of death. The Lord has declared that, Behold, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man. The ultimate end of all activity in the Church is that a man and his wife and their children will be happy at home and that the family will continue through eternity. All Christian doctrine is formulated to protect the individual and the home and the family. 
These lines express something of the place of marriage in the eternal progress of man. We have within a burning flame a light to kindle lights, the sacred fire of life itself, which, if misused, ignites a smoldering, suffocating cloud of sorrow and distress. When used by law, this power brings forth a life, a family, happiness. Tempters from the darkest realms seek to pervert this power in acts of wickedness and waste until there comes the hour of judgment and of recompense when bitter tears are shed or power once held to foster life that now is gone and dead. I know this power to be a key, a very key to God's own plan which brings to pass eternal life and immortality for man. And marriage is the crucible where elements of life combine, where mortal temples are conceived within that plan divine. Then spirit offspring of our God can come through mortal birth to have a choice, to face a test, the purpose of our stay on earth. Here, good and evil stand alike before decision's sovereign nod. Those who elect the righteous path will part the veil, return to God. A gift from God the plan provides that mortal beings in humble strait be given power, supernal power, to share their love and help create a living child, a living soul, image of man and of deity. How we regard this sacred gift will fix our course, our destiny. Eternal love, eternal marriage, eternal increase. This ideal which is new to many, when thoughtfully considered, can keep a marriage strong and safe. No relationship has more potential to exalt a man and a woman than the marriage covenant. No obligation in society or in the Church supersedes it in importance. I thank God for marriage. I thank God for temples. I thank God for the glorious sealing power, that power which transcends all that we have been given through which our marriages may become eternal. May we be worthy of this sacred gift, I humbly pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.